It's time for Real Talk with Brian and Dan, the weekly talk radio show dedicated to discussing important real estate topics, plus insight into the local community. With a combined experience of over 50 years as local real estate brokers from the Eastside Real Estate Team at Keller Williams Realty Bellevue. Here's your hosts, Brian Levitt and Dan Edwards. Well, good afternoon and welcome to this edition of Real Talk with Brian and Dan on 1150 KKNW. It's Wednesday, October 9th, and we are very glad you joined us today, whether it be on the radio, in your car, or we are now live streaming around the world. It's pretty cool. Yes, we are. Yeah, that's fantastic. If you would like to listen to any past episodes, you can find those anywhere podcasts are casted. Um, I personally use Google Podcasts. Brian, do you listen to podcasts? Yep, Google. Google, all right. So there's also, um, I don't know. A bunch of others. So please download, listen to them. We'd love your feedback. And you can also uh, view past uh, broadcasts on the Eastside Real Estate Team.com or our Facebook page. Now, um, please do feel free to share. We love that. We've got another great show for you today. I'm excited to talk real estate. We've got some great guests. Uh, we've got Pat Stone, executive chairman and founder of Will- Williston Financial Group, and Abby Burdick of Abby Burdick Designs. But before we get to our guests, it's time for some real talk. Now that the weather is getting a bit colder outside, a lot of people are turning up the heat in their homes, which brings up the topic of energy usage and efficiency. Today we're going to share a few tips on how to improve the energy efficiency in your home. As a homeowner, it's important to keep your home running efficiently, not only to save money, but to keep the environment the one we want. Yeah. Keep it clean, dude. Keep, keep it, it green. Keep it clean and green and clear skies, blue skies out there today. I know one of the real easy things that, um, it used to be really expensive, but it's not anymore, is LED lighting. You know, right, putting right. LED lighting throughout your house, it's its a great way uh, to um, to do it. It, it actually lasts uh, 25 times longer, right. and it uses 90% less electricity than incandescent bulbs. So by swapping out five of your home's most frequently used bulbs, now that's an interesting one, like right. change out just the ones you use the most, um, it's possible to save about $75 annually. My home, we switched. Anytime we replace a bulb, it's an LED that's going in as a replacement. Got yeah. rid of all the CFLs because we just don't like the light that it casts. It, it takes but, a while for them to heat up. Yeah, they were kind of funky. Yeah. One of the things that uh, we did is Costco, right? They, oh yeah, yeah. They always have stuff coming out. They have subsidized. Do they? Programs yeah, the buy. ones that you yep. get a rebate from Puget Sound Energy. Yep. And um, most recently, though, my electrician put new ones, new canned ones in, yeah. and you're able to select the color of light. Really? So you can actually go from a bright white to more of a yellow. So it yeah. depends on how you want to do it. You can just adjust it. Yeah. So that's interesting. We might touch on that in our staging conversation today. Yeah. Because that's color that's of lighting, right? So another great tip is to seal those leaks. On average, heating and cooling account for almost half of a home's energy consumption. All the little leaks really add up. And in some cases can be equivalent to, to leaving a three foot by three foot window wide open. That's an interesting conversation in my house, the dad conversation. You like to have your windows oh, closed? Yeah. Leave the, <laughs> shut the door if the furnace is running, guys. Come yeah. on. Were you, you know, born in a barn? Were, were, yes. Well, my, <laughs> my family, yeah, my boys grew up in a barn. barn my daughter. <laughs> um, so here's a take, tip. Take simple steps like caulking um, any uh, leaks in the, in the, around the windows, chimneys, uh, recessed lighting, and sliding uh, draft guards under your doors to save up to 20%. On heating costs. So uh, this year I did a lot of updates to my house. Yeah. One of the things I did was triple pane windows. Uh-huh. So they new seals all around those triple pane windows, mm-hmm. including the sliding glass doors. 
and also um, had the ducting, the work under the crawl ah, space. sealed. Sealed. Nice. Yeah, with mastic, it's kind of like a, yeah. a, a metal-like substance that seals all the gaps. Yeah. So I, I can tell the difference already. My furnace comes on a fraction of the time versus the way it used to. And probably eliminating drafts, much more comfortable. Yeah, and what's interesting, too, is now they have these, um, I use Ecobee or the Nest home systems. Yeah. I, I was trying to find how to set the timer on them. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can't do it. Uh, not on the one I have. My Nest I can, it and I do. It just starts to do it. It well, determines it, it by you being home or not. Yeah, a smart feature. It's weird. But you can override. It's creepy. Mine, you can override that. You can override and set a specific yeah. schedule. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I just ask Alexa to turn up or turn down the thermostat. Nice. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So what's the last one? Well, once you have the leak sealed up, um, how do you heat and cool efficiently? Are yeah. Going to talk about that. Oh yeah. Um, once you've got them, don't waste uh, the install installable programming thermostat. I just oh, talked did, about it. Did. Yeah, okay. I got that point. Okay. You're so next. our last tip <laughs> with energy efficiency is to maintain your heating and cooling units, your HVAC. And if I got a tip for you, yesterday okay. I ran into one of our vendors who provides home warranties. Uh huh. A home warranty is basically an insurance policy that covers. Any systems or, you know, system failures in your home. Typically, uh, we might use that when a buyer purchases a home to provide them uh, typically a one-year warranty. But this vendor, uh, if you purchase a warranty, they will provide a a furnace tune-up as part of that warranty free of charge. So that typically runs about $150 for the the tune-up. The warranty is $300. So you're getting essentially half off on a home warranty. Get your spend an extra hundred and fifty. Get your furnace tuned up. That's cool. And have a warranty for the remaining year. So, and I would say those furnace tune-ups can be anywhere from one hundred and fifty, you know, to right. two fifty, two seventy-five. Yeah. Depending on the size of the furnace, the high efficiency. The furnace that I have is like one of the oldest ones. And yeah. my furnace guy said, you know, yeah, you can replace it with a new one, but the parts to fix it are higher, right. and the maintenance right. is higher. So why yeah. not just keep it running well? Yeah. So if you're interested in a tune-up and a warranty, give us a call. We'd be happy to connect you with our uh, home warranty vendor. Uh, we'll hook you up. All right. So winter tune-ups, those are good. Anything else you can think of to make your home more cost-efficient? I like. I use firewood. Well, here, yeah, I, I, mean, I like heating with wood. We like nice. the direct heat of that. You know, uh, I was reading a thread on uh, Facebook today of people talking about where you keep your thermostat set. Mm. And the consensus that I saw, most people around 68, and that's that's really efficient. And so during okay. the, when you're home, 68, and then uh, uh, like at night in my house, night we, we set it at, at 55 or 60. Drop it down. And then yeah. uh, it kicks on before we get up to that 68. But 68 is comfortable, but it's a lot less expenditure to heat your home to 68 than to say 72. So how the Ecobee works is it's, you can put sensors throughout the house. So if you have a good size house, it'll notice which room you're, you're in more often and keep that temperature comfortable. Interesting. So yeah. zone heating. Zone, yeah. Nice. Kind of a, it's a different way of doing it. So yeah. cool. Well, that's our uh, tip. That's our real estate talk for now. Let's see. So after the break, we'll have our mortgage moment with local mortgage expert, Michael Burdick. Michael, welcome to the show. Yeah, he's in studio he's today. sitting here with us today. Yep. We will be here to learn how um, mortgage rates are and uh, maybe talk about refi a little bit. How low can they how go? How low can they go? Yep. <laughs> we'll be uh, right back. Not sure if now is the right time to sell? Worried you missed the market? The Eastside Real Estate Team specializes in helping homeowners maximize their equity when selling. 
With our proven premier listing service, our clients have sold their homes for more money in less time than the competition. We know you have many choices when working with a real estate agent, but with the Eastside Real Estate Team, you get a team of highly qualified, experienced agents. From staging to deciding if your property is market ready for top dollar. If you're considering selling, call the Eastside Real Estate Team at 425-200-4093 or check out our website at theeastsiderealestateteam.com, a subsidiary of Keller Williams Realty in Bellevue. Are you overwhelmed with what it takes to get your property market ready or don't know where to start? Abbey Burdick Designs can take you step-by-step through preparing the interior of your home for sale for maximum interest and value for potential buyers. Abbey Burdick Designs offers individualized services in all forms and at all price points to align with your needs. Abbey Burdick Designs welcomes home staging and interior improvement questions and conversations in all forms at all times. Call 425-890-2343 or email abby at abbyburdickdesigns.com for more information. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. All right, welcome back to the show. You're listening to Real Talk with Brian and Dan. I'm Brian. And I'm Dan. It's now time for our Mortgage Moment segment. During this segment, we get a quick update on the lending side of the home buying process. And today in studio... We are talking with Michael Burdick, the loan consultant specialist expert with Loan Depot. Welcome to the studio, Michael. Thank you very much, Dan. Great to be here. Once the snow hits, I know it'll be harder for us to get a hold of you. Then I'll be remote again. Maybe not. Oh, there you go. I'll be on top of the mountain. Awesome. So, Michael, what are common mistakes homebuyers make during or before they buy a home? So that's a great question, and it's one that I like to, you know, get ahead of so I can talk to buyers when they're initially, you know, thinking about buying so we can avoid some of these, but thought we should just kind of go through a number of, you know, bullet point, uh, a number of them here and and just talk them over. But really something that we've talked about in prior uh, discussions and episodes is, is getting pre-approved. Um, yep. You know, it's something that's very important. You know, you don't want to go out and look at 10 homes and realize that you're $100,000 over your, your actual budget. And sometimes I can pre-approve someone that high, but they aren't comfortable with that payment. Right. Well, I think sometimes too, what happens is uh, they go away, right? So they get all excited about the process. They get out there, they see a home they love and they realize, like you said, it's a stretch for their budget or that they can't afford it. And then they just kind of walk away from the opportunity of even buying. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So that's the biggest one, you know, preparing yourself before you uh, get out there and and start shopping. Um, And then once you're in the process, you know, there are some things that can kind of you know, implode your loan and, and, and really get you off track. And those would be obtaining new debt prior to closing. So I have some people that buy their dream house and and they get so excited that they go out and they buy all their furniture and and they finance that. And and I get, you know, when you're in the loan process, we get, we have to do a, a soft credit check before closing and we'll see that they've obtained new debt. And it's only happened to me a few times where we've had to get really creative and, and backtrack and pay stuff off and maybe lower the down payment to get somebody approved at the end because they've done something like that. But that's yeah, something that essentially what they're doing is they're messing with their their ratio, their exactly. debt to income ratio. Right. Yep. So I had a, a transaction right now where 
one of the uh, buyers decided to change jobs a few days before yep. closing. And Ooh. fortunately, we're still able to qualify. Can't use any of, of that borrower's income, yep. but there's enough other income available that we're okay. That's, but it was like, oh. No, that's on, know, that's actually yeah. on my list. And that, yeah, that's happened yeah. to me. And it, it's something that, you know, they some people just don't think we're going to find that out. But yeah. we, we do, you know, when you're in the mortgage well, yeah, process. They weren't hiding it. They are very upfront. You know, yeah. it was time to make a change. And that's great. But first thing we did is, you know, ran the numbers, made sure we could still get him in the home. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think for myself, personally, when I go through this this kind of a high stakes process, yep. I try to think very linearly, one thing at a time. Yep. And so, you know, a lot of times the discussion between myself and my wife will be, well, let's get this done first yep. so that we do that. And that's what we're talking about here. Totally. Let's get the house purchase done first and then go crazy mm-hmm. and, and buy Gun the by couch. Then, yeah, run whatever. up the American dream, you know, get everything you need. <laughs> Um, let's see. What else we got? So what's happening? Go ahead. I was going to say when you're in process, one thing that we really hate on the mortgage side is when people schedule their moving trucks, you know, just on the close date without, uh, you know, talking to the lender and really figuring out where they're at with with the closing process. Because just because we have that date, that's not a set in stone date. I mean, we absolutely want to hit that date and give you your keys on that Mm -hmm. date, but Sometimes there's things that are out of our control in, in the mortgage right. industry. So Well, now with the new laws, you've got uh, the closing disclosure requirements that are hard. That's exactly. the, you can't yep. bend those. What is that? Reg Z? Is that what that, uh, what's well, that the, called? Well, the closing disclosure where CD. three days prior, yep. they you have to do a full disclosure, and there's no waiving that. There's no getting around it. No waiving that. Yeah, it right. needs to be three business days. So yeah. Saturday counts, Sunday doesn't. So we, we try to get that out as soon as possible right. in the process and have people e-sign that. But that's but really when you know you're going to close is once that closing disclosure is out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it needs to be done. So if you have a lender that doesn't get that out, then you're going to add three days to the process there. Um, one other thing that I, I talk to all my buyers as, as part of their process, you know, they, we come up with their funds for down payment, how much they want to put down, whether it's 5%, 20%, but when they, they're going to bring that to closing. Right. Mm-hmm. But right when they make their offer, they come in with their earnest money. And if they want to use that towards their down payment, I need to source it. So yeah, some I people know. know where it came from. Right. Yeah. Some people will grab that money from a friend or yeah. from their mattress. And it's mattress. It's, <laughs> yep. it's something they don't think I'm going to check on. But no, we, we source that. You didn't know that. where it came from. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Michael, that uh, concludes our mortgage moment for the week. Thanks so much for talking with us. How do our listeners get a hold of you? Well, I always say you can Google Michael Burdick with Loan Depot. And you'll find me. I've got Zillow re- reviews online. I've got a good website that has some good information on there. And my phone number is 206-661-2289. Perfect. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thank Next you. up, after the break, we'll be talking to the president and CEO of Williston Financial Group, Patrick Stone. So excited to have Pat here today. I will be discussing both the local and national housing market. You don't want to miss that segment. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Did you know when you pay rent, you're actually paying someone else's mortgage? Are you tired of missing out on owning your own home? Fact, homeowners on average have 40 times the financial net worth of renters. The Eastside Real Estate Team has been helping many first-time homebuyers find and buy their first home. They specialize in customer service and put you first. 
They listen first to what you're looking for, and then they take the time to make sure their clients understand every aspect of the home buying process. If owning a home has been your dream, the Eastside Real Estate Team can help you. For a free, no-hassle consultation, call 425-200-4093 or find them online at the Eastside Real Estate Team. A subsidiary of Keller Williams Realty in Bellevue. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. You're listening to Real Talk with Brian and Dan on 1150 KKNW. I'm Brian. And I'm Dan. Our first guest today is Pat Stone, executive chairman, founder, and founder of Williston Financial Group. Pat has enjoyed a lengthy career in real estate and real estate-related services, including C officer positions with three public companies. Let me guess, CEO, CFO, COO. I think that's uh, what we're talking about. Um, Three public companies and as a director in two Fortune 500 boards. The senior executive management positions include nine years as president and COO of the nation's largest title insurance company, chairman and and co-CEO of a software company, and CEO of a real estate data and information company. Currently, Pat serves as the executive chairman and founder of Williston Financial Group, as well as serves on the board of Nasu Resurgence, Transmodus, Tristing Tree Golf Club, and Inman News, who named him one of 2013's 100 Most Influential People in Real Estate, and in 2015, one of the top 101 real estate industry doers. Additionally, Pat has also served as vice chairman of the Metro Cities Mortgage, a 2005 top 20 lender, and as chairman of the Stone Group, an Austin, Texas-based tenant rep brokerage company, as well as on those boards of, Fide- of Fidelity Financial, um, First American Corporation, FNIS, Micro General, SKLD, World Minerals, wow, there's a ton of them here, Pat, Green Street Advisors, Digital Map, Home Gain, Red Vision, and Weiston Capital. Pat's philanthropic involvement has included service as chairman of the Santa Barbara Art Museum and as a director of the Portland Art Museum. He is a past chairman of the Oregon State University Foundation and co-chair its billion-dollar capital campaign. Patrick has three beautiful daughters and four grandchildren and resides in Portland, Oregon with his wife, Vicki. Pat, welcome to the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're a busy guy, so we won't take up a lot of your time, but... In the meantime, when you're not doing any of that amazing work, do you have any hobbies or interests? <laughs> well, I, I play a lot of golf, I collect art, and I enjoy my grandchildren. Ah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd like to ask each guest to share us a fond, share with us a fond memory of the home you grew up in. What do you got for us, Pat? Well, you know, I, I grew up in a, a really small town in southwestern North Dakota on the southern edge of the North Dakota Badlands. Wow. My father built our home in 1953. I was six years old, and my memory is helping him. Uh, I had a can, and every day he'd have me go around and pick up nails and things that had, you know, fallen on the on the side. And uh, so I was, I always felt very busy and very involved in building that home. <laughs> and I, I look back on it, you know, it was very cold there. It got down yeah. to 40 below every winter. Yeah. So you didn't build a very big home. And I look back on it thinking at the time, well, this is gigantic palace he's building. It was 900 <laughs> square feet. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but that's but when I, your housing career started right there. That's when my housing career started. <laughs> well, listen, we again, we appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. You've got a great pedigree and a lot of insight that we want to share with our listeners. So the housing market in Seattle has been pretty hot. 
And uh, can you share with us what's driving that growth and how long can it continue? Well, I think, it, it, you know, what is driving it basically is employment growth. And if you want to see something interesting, you plot the employment growth along with home appreciation, home price appreciation. And employment growth has gone up steadily since the downturn. Mm-hmm. Home price appreciation went up steadily right along with it up until about a year and a half ago, and then it started leveling off a little. Still increasing, but uh, we, are, we are really experiencing a demand-driven, employment growth-driven market. And as far as I understand, that I mean, with the with the housing slowing, yet the the growth in jobs. I mean, didn't Amazon just announce more, and Google and Facebook oh, yeah. all announced more stuff here in the Puget Sound area? So does that mean the housing market's going to continue to stay hot? Well, hot is a hot's a, a funny word. And Loaded word. Maybe, yeah, I've been around way too long to use the word hot. But let <laughs> me put it this way: it, it will be demand driven for the foreseeable future. I do not hmm. see uh, us getting into a position where supply exceeds demand in the next five, six, seven years. Wow! So uh, you're going to have home price appreciation, although I think it'll be more rational than it has been. Uh, yeah. And uh, it'll be more balanced, and it will even out over time as you start to see more starter homes being built. Yeah, I know one of the things, refreshing. Yeah. you know, I've been in the business 14 years. Brian has been doing it for 38 years. But for me, it's kind of refreshing to talk to our um, our friends, our colleagues, when they ask us how the market is. And, and we say, you know what? It's 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 good. It's stable, right? So to, to take away from what you're saying is it feels more balanced. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's not quite... I want to be careful here. It's not quite back to what I would call a balanced normal market. It is right. still, uh, we still haven't built enough homes to have a truly balanced market. By that I mean if you if you went back and, and plotted the average number of new homes constructed in the U.S. from I think 1959 to 2007, the average was about a million new homes a year. We haven't topped a million new homes since 2007. We haven't even hmm. come close to it. Of new so, construction. New construction, right. Yeah, new construction has been lagging. Uh, starter homes have been lagging. Now we're starting to see some wage and salary growth at the lower end of the income scale. In uh-huh. fact, it's about 4% for the low, lowest one-third. So we're starting to see people who haven't had any income growth for a long time experience some income growth. I think that will result in more new homes being, new starter homes being built. We have one major national uh, home builder that started building started developing starter home subdivisions this year. That was Lennar. And hmm. I think you'll start seeing more of that going forward. You know, I think you just answered my next question about the buying trends. I really wish we'd see more starter homes. I think for us, the land prices and the concurrency fees, um, in my opinion, is uh, you know our local government is the biggest enemy of affordable housing. This is King County, right? Uh, King County, yeah. yeah. But even the local uh, Sammamish, for example, has the highest... Um, um, concurrency fees, it's tough. It's tough to build. So Yeah, you know, that's true. And it, it, it's really funny because uh, you look at the Northwest, we've had a very significant influx of young people moving into the Northwest. Mm-hmm. We've had great uh, job growth in the Northwest, and yet we have, uh, we have a little bit of bureaucracy working against us in terms of zoning, uh, urban development restrictions, uh, housing, housing development restrictions. So, right. Uh, you know, I, I, I think we need to see some changes there pretty quick. So what, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have talked about the upzoning in Seattle, and they've talked about, you know, uh, bringing back condos, because condos have been off the off the uh, the ability to build now. 
I mean, what kind of solutions do you see on a local level or a government level that would help create more affordable housing, um, well, starter-level housing in this area? If I may, and I'm going to get a little bit philosophical on you. Uh, Please it do. It really requires a more long-term view so that you develop mm. infrastructure to support a broader level of development. Mm. Um, you know, we have major urban centers, but our infrastructure is always sort of a backfill effort. Yep. We create the infrastructure after we have the need instead right. of developing the infrastructure to facilitate growth. So the only answer short-term is to increase density. Long-term, we need to create it. When we do something with infrastructure, we need to do it in a manner that it facilitates growth for a 50-year cycle. You right. can't do this fill-in type stuff. It, it is extremely expensive. I was going to say, it costs more money, right? right. Exactly. Yeah. It costs way more money. So I think you're going to have to see more density, uh, we are uh, in Portland. We're seeing this uh, sort of an infill cycle where you're you're going to be building more, multiple units of what has been traditionally single-family zoned areas. Right. We'll see how that goes, but these are stopgap measures. Long term, again, we need to think. We need to say, okay, here's a 50-year plan, and ultimately it'll be cheaper for everybody. But it requires a little bit of forethought. So I think I read that uh, Oregon. Um, in Portland, we're basically eliminating single family as a uh, zoning to to do exactly what you're talking about. Is that? Yeah, they're uh, they're trying. It's yeah. uh, it's it's really interesting to watch the. It's interesting to watch the social impact of that, uh, and it gets it gets uh, magnified at, at higher price levels. Obviously, so we'll we'll see how it goes. That's interesting. So there's a pushback um, socially. There's a pushback socially at the higher end. Now, uh, gotcha. fair or not, I don't even want to get into that. Right, it, sure. It, it is a stopgap Band-Aid measure, um, and I, I suspect we're going to have to do something like that, uh, or we're going to have a we're going to have a huge problem. So it is hmm. what it is. So builders seem to be building more and more. I mean, that's what it, what I'm seeing. Um, what do they know? What are they? What are the? You think the builders are are moving towards? Well, there. You know, they, it's interesting you say that because, as I mentioned earlier, actually building has not even recovered to a historical 2007, norm. yeah. Yeah, we're, we're building more, but we're still not building what we historically built in terms of a number of new units. And I think you will see that that recover over the next few years. Uh, but builders have tremendous costs in land acquisition, yeah. development right. costs. Getting a, getting a subdivision, I can remember when I, was, I did my first subdivision about 40 years ago, and I did it like in two months. Right now, it's right. two years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just crazy. Uh, yeah, this isn't the subdivision in South Dakota. That that was one house. It doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was here in Portland, Oregon, but it was here before. I mean, it was a little bit more rational process. Yeah, I mean, you're a ha- year and a half in on a five lot short plat, and uh, oh, and gosh. I'd say it's going really well. <laughs> so, yeah. oh. well, um, so there's the, obviously a lot of uh, a lot of stuff real estate wise is location and local, but can you share with us the national market and how that's going to impact this area? Yeah, the national market is is really really interesting, and it, it is you know one of the one of the problems we have in our industry, and in our industry being every aspect of real estate, is that things get distilled down and presented on national averages, uh, yeah. like the Case Shiller Index and so forth. And the national market is very 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 different from area to area. Uh, you know the whole the high end stalled out in the Northeast uh, starting about two years ago, and it's actually gotten to be problematic, I think, in places like New York right now. Yeah. The southeast is still benefiting from an influx of population, but it's gotten to be 
has gotten to be somewhat uh, problematic there also. Texas, you've had tremendous job growth in Texas. You've got the tax advantages. You know, you got four states, uh, Texas, Florida, Tennessee, and then Nevada, that don't have income tax. So they've all had uh, some benefit uh, influx of both business and people. Midwest, uh, Midwest, I would say, is actually hurting way more than uh, people understand, mainly because agribusiness has been destroyed by the trade trade war. wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, you, know, you look around, you say West Coast is good, but the high end slowed down in the major markets. You know, the three states with the highest level of appreciation are Idaho, Utah, and Nevada. Go figure, right? But I think that's because people are moving from the West Coast in, inland into those markets like Boise and Las Vegas and so forth. Yeah, and I was, uh, you know, I've had several colleagues and friends actually relocate from here the east side um, to Eagle, Idaho was one place. Right. Um, because of the way work now exists online, right? You can tele telecommute essentially in many many jobs. Um, there seems to be that ability to kind of relocate to a place where you're going to have more favorable, affordable housing, right? Yeah, and and you're also seeing, I mean, just and not to not to cause any unnecessary alarm, but candidly, the the tech the tech industry is way over invested. Mm. Um, you know, if you want to say, is there a bubble? There's no bubble in housing, but there's a bubble in tech. Hmm. So you're starting to see uh, people, uh, you know, taking a serious second thought about living in places like the Bay Area or Los Angeles, and they're moving inland. They're actually moving from Portland and Seattle to places like Idaho. So. Hmm. Yeah, we're yeah and that. like Quincy here, which is right over the, has one of the, the fastest Internet backbones in the United States, and it's um, you're all fiber. I think it's about two hours away from Seattle. Yeah. Um, but you know, some people in LA are commuting that kind of time. So, yep. it you know, I, I it's interesting to see how the next twenty to thirty years how people are going to be living. It's not going to be have to necessarily be anchored to a large mega city. I, I would agree with that. I think that's one of the benefits of technology and the internet. Absolutely. So, Pat, uh, we're seeing a rapidly changing real estate industry, NAR versus National Association of Realtors versus U.S. Justice Department. What change do you see going forward in the title industry from uh, all this stuff? Well, the, you know, if you look at the title industry, one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that, that insurance is regulated by state by state. Almost every other industry has a national overlay or national oversight, but insurance is actually regulated every state in a different manner. So mm -hmm. my company right now, I do business nationally. I'm a truly national company. I report, we, excuse me, report to 130 different regulators quarterly. Wow. Oh, wow. I mean, it's crazy. So the ability of the insurance industry to change rapidly or to adopt any meaningful change quickly is is really mitigated by regulation. Now, right. one thing I do see happening in our industry is that uh, because we are a small component of the insurance industry, and I don't want to bore you or your listeners, but if you're an insurance department, uh, you're running an insurance department, you know, you are funded by premium tax. Hmm. And you get very little premium tax from the title insurance industry, so it's sort of an afterthought. Yeah. And uh, you look at our industry and you look what's happening, we have had basically a liability-based pricing system forever. In other words, house prices go up, we charge more. Right. Which is right. kind of you kind of wonder about that. If you examine the same property 10, years, 10 times in 20 years and you charge more each time, yeah. that doesn't make much sense, does yeah. it? So I think the biggest thing that's going to happen in our industry is you're going to see a little bit more risk-based pricing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I think there's 16 states doing data calls right now to try to determine how much of the title premium is actually risk-based. Yeah. Blockchain so, for title. Yeah, <laughs> well, not blockchain, but you're, you are yeah. going to see you are going to see a little bit more rational pricing model come into hmm. being in the title insurance industry. And I would I would argue that you're going to probably see a little bit more rational pricing model across the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's what we're looking. Well, at. and that's exactly what uh, what we're kind of getting at is you know that uh, you know we we get it. Housing prices go up, and yes, there's an exponential relationship of you know our commission, and so is title as a relationship to the price. Um, at some point, the competition, the pressure has to be adjusted uh, for value, and I think that's the key, right? Like, what's the yeah. risk involved from a title perspective? Oh, well, Pat, uh, we could probably spend another hour and a half chatting with you. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy yeah, schedule to you, come Pat. in. Well, my, my pleasure. Happy to, happy to visit with you anytime. Like what you guys do, and let me know if I can help you in any way. Thank you so much. Thank you. After the break, we have Abby Burdick of Abby Burdick Designs. Stay with us for more. Not sure if now is the right time to sell? Worried you missed the market? The Eastside Real Estate Team specializes in helping homeowners maximize their equity when selling. With our proven premier listing service, our clients have sold their homes for more money in less time than the competition. We know you have many choices when working with a real estate agent, but with the Eastside Real Estate Team, you get a team of highly qualified, experienced agents. From staging to deciding if your property is market ready for top dollar. If you're considering selling, call the Eastside Real Estate Team at 425-200-4093. Or check out our website at theeastsiderealestateteam.com, a subsidiary of Keller Williams Realty in Bellevue. Are you overwhelmed with what it takes to get your property market ready or don't know where to start? Abbey Burdick Designs can take you step-by-step through preparing the interior of your home for sale for maximum interest and value for potential buyers. Abbey Burdick Designs offers individualized services in all forms and at all price points to align with your needs. Abbey Burdick Designs welcomes home staging and interior improvement questions and conversations in all forms at all times. Call 425-890-2343. Or email abby at abbyburdickdesigns.com for more information. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Real Talk with Brian and Dan on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm Brian. And I'm Dan. Our next guest is Abby Burdick of Abby Burdick Designs Home Staging and Interior Improvements. Abby Burdick Designs is pleased to be able to provide intentional and individualized design and staging services to you. They're successful when they create a pleasing and beautiful environment in your home with their design and staging services. Abby's job is to bring an individualized and intentional home styling approach and furnishings to maximize interest and value from potential buyers. Today, she's here with us to discuss all the wonderful things she did for our most recent listing, right? Yeah. (laughs) Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Abby, tell us what you like to do when you're not staging homes. Right. Sure. So, uh, I have a two and a half year old daughter. So, my mm-hmm. hobbies have changed in the last a few bit, years, yeah. uh, keeping her happy, healthy, and thriving, of course. 
Um, but on the weekends and with friends and family, uh, my husband and I own a travel trailer and we take it up to the mountains in the winter and the Pacific Northwest beaches in the summer. Uh, glamping. And recreate. Yeah. It's not just a travel trailer. It's an Airstream. It is. Oh yes. Her name yeah. is Betty. And yes, oh, she's Betty. a part of the family. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Betty. Why Betty? I, Betty Bird. Doesn't that just have a oh, nice ring to it? Yeah. Betty Bird. So uh, we always ask our guests to, to kind of go back memory lane and reflect on growing up in the house they grow up in. So tell us your story. Yeah, actually, mine is kind of seasonally appropriate, um, which is nice. Uh, I grew up in a housing development. Um, and for what it, our, our house was just positioned perfectly in this in this housing development. We were kind of the epicenter right next to the park uh, that was built in. And it was just kind of the front and center, which made it the trick-or-treat Halloween, oh, everybody yeah. hit our house. We're talking hundreds of doorbell rings. You guys and handed out apples or pencils? Uh, no, definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> oh, definitely not in that neighborhood. Um, and, you know, to the point where I remember my parents would have to kind of tap back into our trick-or-treat candy uh, just to kind of keep, oh, keep it going. So, yeah, that's a, that's a great memory. And like I said, kind of seasonally appropriate there. So how did you get into home staging? Sure. So uh, a family friend um, is unfortunately fiercely fighting cancer at the moment. Um, She had a successful home staging and interior design business, um, and it was just time for her to let go. Um, She'd been running the business for about 20 years, um, and I was the phone call she made. She said, Abby, this is your business. I want you to take it on, fill my shoes. You will love um, the, the, what it brings to your schedule, your family, your work-life balance, um, and you're the one. I will say I was kind of hesitant at first. Um, I worked for the city of Bellevue in the parks department, a job I never thought I'd leave, um, collect my punch in at the end. Um, but I tried to do both for about three months before I realized this really was my calling and I went for it full time. So, So, you know, if, if I had a friend and they called me, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, uh, no. So, I mean, what kind of, what kind of thoughts or skills or what prepped you for that? Gosh, close to nothing. I just went into it. You know, it's one of those YOLO moments. Um, there is something about it. Surely you had to have a creative bone in your body. Yes. I do not. Okay? Yes, yes, definitely. You know, it is a huge creative outlet. Um, that is kind of, it's hard to identify because, you know, home staging, you think of decorating homes, spending money. I mean, yes, as, as a female, I did a lot of that in my own home. Um, and so this has just been, you know, a nice way to kind of channel that creative energy um, into a business and just get paid for it, which is about when you have a home yes i know right (laughs) oh boy they're building a home for the listeners out there so yes proud landowner still at this moment yes proud landowner (laughs) your own slice of americana yes (laughs) so tell us a little bit about the business then yeah so you know i want to keep the business as simple as possible um that's a goal of mine um it really comes down to inventory storage and movers. I couldn't do it without those three things. Um, I do own all my own inventory, about four or five homes worth of furniture and accessories. Um, of course, I do have to store it someplace. And when I need help bringing it to a listing and bringing it back to the, to the um, to storage, that's where the movers come in. And, you know, to just keep it that simple is how I want it to be. Um, so then it's just a matter of networking and staying busy and building relationships and, you know, staying um, in the market. So, you know, I have work for my movers and my inventory to do. Awesome. 
So, Abby, what uh, different types of staging services do you offer? Yeah, I would say that there's probably uh, four different kind of services that I offer. Um, one is just a consultation that um, where I can just come in and, you know, assist a homeowner with kind of a home staging report, a place kind of a where to start. Um, and if, if they're willing to roll up their sleeves and do it themselves and they follow directions very well, you know, <laughs> it can kind of end there, which is um, which is a nice affordable option. Um, but then if I'm going to come back with a little bit of inventory and do like a partial or a soft stage, um, where I'm kind of aligning some of my inventory with, uh, the homeowners, um, that's another kind of way of doing it, just kind of taking it a step further. Um, and then, um, the third, the third service is kind of an unoccupied full stage. I would say that this is the most popular and the most fun for me to do. Um, the house is clean, ready, and vacant, uh, for me to show up with, you know, a truck full of stuff and, and make it look great, make it look market ready. Um, the fourth service that I offer is everything else. Um, I do. I don't want to be everything to everybody, but mm-hmm. you know, if there's something that makes sense, it feels good. It can help the homeowner. Um, then that everything else category is something that I'm open to. It's kind of the above and beyond, uh, mm-hmm. you know, probably. Yeah. Right? If you want to have a business that stands out amongst the rest, you have to be willing to do what others won't. Sure. Within a scope of your expertise, right? You got it. Mm-hmm. So um, take me through. Um, the most recent listing that we have coming up in Sammamish, it's mm-hmm. launching uh, today. Um, this was one of those blank slates, right? Yes. So um, describe how that went, like in a day in the life at the same time. Sure. So you say blank slate. I mean, it is the coolest house with the <laughs> coolest. Cool. Fa- I've been calling it the man cave house, and man cave it is house. just it oh, is so cool. Yeah. I love it, love it. Um, so it was a fun blank slate to at least begin with. Um, you know, I visit the property, um, take tons of pictures, and just kind of evaluate. Okay, what, how much inventory am I bringing in, um, if any at all? Just kind of evaluating what the project is. Um, then, of course, we coordinate the staging um, with staging date with the movers, the homeowner, and so forth. Then I head to my storage and just start taking blue painter's tape and start tagging what I think will work. Mm. I've got those photos that I took in front of me and I'm just kind of doing that madhouse around my inventory just seeing, okay, this will work, that'll work, this will work, that'll work. So Abby, let me take you back a little bit. How much input did the seller have as you're going through and doing this? None. Yeah, so. (laughs) Yeah. Because he he (laughs) Mm -hmm. was just like, go ahead. Yep, that's exactly Uh, right. mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, great guy with a beautiful home and so it was just empty. So, you know, I do think that it's going to bring huge value. Um, so then that's kind of when the fun begins, though. Staging day is when the fun begins. You know, I kind of look at it as um, almost like a game show. Like Christmas. Yeah, day. kind of like Christmas, <laughs> yes. Um, I've only been to the home for, what, 15, 20 minutes. I've looked through the photos about 100 times. But, you know, now it's now I just feel like I'm on a game show of some kind where you just make it work. I like to stage in a day. Um, or I kind of promise that I'll stage in a day. And so you just show up with the truck and kind of spread it out um, and make it work amongst the house. I take a mm. lot of photos as I'm staging to see how it would look through the professional photographer's um, you know, lens. Oh, cool. And you just kind of mm. play ring around the rosy with the inventory that you brought until it's complete. So, yeah, it's a good time. I really enjoy it. It's a fun challenge for sure. So you mentioned the word value. Um, so tell us about that. How yeah. does it bring value? Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of statistics out there, um, you know, they, you, that a stage home spends 90% less time on the market. 77% of buyers will say it's easier to visualize a property um, if it's staged. So all those things are great. But another example that I have that we worked on, Dan, um, was that property out in Carnation. Beautiful piece of yeah. property that almost yeah. spoke for itself. I mean, out in the valley, a great house. Um, it was on the market and mm-hmm. kind of sat for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided to delist and you contacted me and to bring in a soft stage, just kind of complement some of the stuff that the homeowner already had. I think we painted yep. and relisted. Um, was it 
one, two weeks. I think maybe two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. And, you know, there was a few offers on that home and, and it short, it sold shortly after. Yeah. So, I mean, there that's There's just value. that that's that great example right. um, of, you know, some of the work that I've personally done. So Yeah. And, you know, we always advise uh, all of our listings to to get a staging consult and then invest in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can't always get them to buy into it. So that was a good example. We, you know, they were like, "Well, oh, the market's really good. Let's just go ahead." They right. had some nice stuff in there, right. um, but then they were just missing a few things. Mm-hmm. So when we were able to kind of complete that cycle, it helped, I think, really paint a better picture. Because uh, you know, um, you can look at a blank canvas and you got one thing, and then you can look at a half-done photo and have another, and then you got a completed photo, and it really. Is, tells the whole story. Right. So sometimes half is worse than nothing at all. Right. That's right. Yeah. So what are the top three home staging tips for homeowners to do themselves? You know, the best thing about this question is it's actually, we already all know the answers and the answer of all three tips are free. Um, so it's not necessarily, you know, to bring in and pay a stager. Um, declutter, yep. depersonalize and clean. Um, I would think that those are the, you know, absolutely where to start. And if there's some sort of, um, you know, consultation that can happen from a staging perspective thereafter, um, that's a whole other thing. But the top three, you know, market ready staging tips, declutter, depersonalize and clean. So what are three buyer turnoffs to avoid inside the home? Sure. Um, so, you know, I would say if for any <laughs> yeah, reason. Clutter, personalized, Yeah, and, and clean. <laughs> right. And I, that was kind of where I was going to go with that, too. If for any reason the buyer has an extreme feeling of like, oh, I need to keep my shoes on. Bad, yeah, bad idea. Bad vibe, so yeah. that's kind of the clean thing. Um, and I guess three things kind of with that is just, you know, to to get rid of the, the dirty laundry or at least cover it up. Uh, seeing dirty towels hung on the bars, you know, and just and ditching those. Mm. Seeing stains of any kind on carpet or furniture. That might be, you know, where a stager needs to come in and, and soft stage or replace some of that. Or you just need to get creative in hiding it. So. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I've got a folder with several thousand bad real estate photos. Someday I'll <laughs> Ooh, share. Fun, yes. Most of those revolve around staging. Okay, or sure. Thereof. Or the lack thereof. The lack okay, thereof. very good. You know good. what my pet peeve is? Smells. Yeah? Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, either over fresheners, right, or like sour milk or some ide- unidentified, <laughs> right. unidentified odor. And know? the house is occupied. I, I mean, smells, we're living. read this week the difference between men and women. If a woman asked you to smell something, it probably smells nice. <laughs> <laughs> Here, smell this. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so how about mistakes? I'm sure you're not perfect, but uh, what are some of the big uh, stage... What, what is the biggest home staging mistake that you have made? Yeah, you know, what I struggle with the most, I know. Well, one thing I struggle with the most is um, that fine line between bringing in enough inventory and too much inventory. Oh, interesting. Kind of back to the, I like to stage in a day, and that's kind of, you know, for... Um, for personal reasons, you know, and I want to make that day as short as possible. Um, so hitting the mark on inventory and just making sure that I don't have to haul things back to my uh, my storage unit or go out and, you know, kind of do the supermarket sweep target run and, you know, fill some gaps. So, you know, I just the, the mistake that I try to, you know, minimize is just, you know, hitting the nail on the head, you know, at my storage and bringing in exactly what the client needs. So um, the client never sees, you know, that I might be running around town in a 16 hour day. I'll still always finish the job in a day but that's a mistake I try to avoid personally so makes sense so where do you see yourself and your business in three to five years sure so I do just want to keep it simple you know I like home staging and I and I can see that being kind of it for the long haul 
Um, I just want to, you know, build a great book of business, build some relationships and, and, you know, kind of be everything to a core set of people rather than, you know, being everything to everybody. Um, that being said, a lot of times it, home staging takes on kind of an interior design um, path. And for whatever reason, what excites me more than that is to do, kind of as a supplemental idea is to be a professional organizer. Mm-hmm. So coming in and doing closets or pantries or kids playrooms and toys like for whatever reason I mean you can see the excitement in my eyes I know that the audience can't um, but for whatever reason we're that just video, gets me so very excited seeing, oh okay yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> very Um, And yeah, so the and, you know, home staging always being number one, you know, really making that the priority and investing in the number one, which is home staging. So what you said, a huge value. I have frequently have clients that have been in a home 30 years and and figuring out what to keep and what to get rid of is huge. So having someone walk through that through that with all the way through to staging that's huge and having a finesse about it you know it really is a kind of a personal thing you know it's not that you know your knickknacks and the things you've collected over the years aren't important or have great history and Mm -hmm. value but you know it's a transaction we're heading down the road of a very large transaction let's look at it from a business perspective and and get your house sold for top dollar well that flew by thank you for coming on the show today Abby. we appreciate it it was a lot of fun after the break, we're going to have some final thoughts, a listing launch, and uh, so come on back after this short commercial break. Did you know when you pay rent, you're actually paying someone else's mortgage? Are you tired of missing out on owning your own home? Fact, homeowners on average have 40 times the financial net worth of renters. The Eastside Real Estate Team has been helping many first-time home buyers find and buy their first home. They specialize in customer service and put you first. They listen first to what you're looking for and then they take the time to make sure their clients understand every aspect of the home buying process. If owning a home has been your dream, the Eastside Real Estate Team can help you. For a free, no-hassle consultation, call 425-200-4093 or find them online at the eastsiderealestateteam.com, a subsidiary of Keller Williams Realty in Bellevue. Are you overwhelmed with what it takes to get your property market ready or don't know where to start? Abbey Burdick Designs can take you step-by-step through preparing the interior of your home for sale for maximum interest and value for potential buyers. Abbey Burdick Designs offers individualized services in all forms and at all price points to align with your needs. Abbey Burdick Designs welcomes home staging and interior improvement questions and conversations in all forms at all times. Call 425-890-2343 or email abby at abbyburdickdesigns.com for more information. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. We are back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Real Talk on 1150 KKNW. Guess what? What? The team is not slowing down. It's the fourth quarter. You know, you can, can you win the game in the third quarter? No. You got to win the game in the fourth quarter. It ain't over till it's over. It ain't over. So we just list the team just listed two great homes. I'd like to share a little bit before we get to Brian's final thought. The first one is in Seattle. It's a two bedroom, one bath, uh, top floor condo. Oh, nice. Uh, looks fantastic, and I got to tell you, it's got a great location. Got a view. Uh, 
Uh, a view of the neighbors. So, right. you know, no, not really a view. Good light? Uh, great light. Very right. light and bright. Top floor, um, 325. Really? 325. Wow. That is That's a, a hot an item. Affordable property that if you want to live within a 15, 20 minute commute to downtown Seattle, it's uh, it's near Greenwood, Green Lake, and Northgate. So, like right in that triangle. So, tell me about the man cave. Oh, the man cave. It's pretty awesome. So, um, we've got a beautiful four bedroom, two and a half bath home that has been completely remodeled. Um, it's in Sammamish. And the cool thing about it is it's, it's in one of the, the, um, more, it was built in 92. So the plot, the, the yard size is, is generous, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times the new homes that size, you're on a 6,500 square foot lot. This one I think is like, I want to say 12 to 14, good, uh, thousand, mm-hmm. 12 to 14,000 square feet lot. So good private backyard, nice front yard, three car garage. And we call it the man cave house because it's, it's, it's got dark colors. It's got a beautiful remodeled kitchen that is perfect for entertaining really long slab quartz, lots of extra storage, lots of good stuff in there. Um, so that'll be open this weekend. Nice. Um, the listing price is $1,175,000. Wow. It's, it's probably a good value in that, yeah. in that area. So, uh, goes to, uh, Issaquah schools. Nice. Um, yeah, it's just a great location near Beaver Lake. So um, if any of our listeners check our Facebook page, the eastsiderealestateteam.com, it'll be published there later today. Wow, um, yeah. sounds good. So before I forget, I want to do a shout out for my friends Andre and Anthony who are high up on their ladders making the east side beautiful for Christmas, hanging Christmas lights. It's almost that time. That's right. But these guys are killing it, putting lights up, and uh, I think my house is next. Nice. Excited, and that's, that's a great service this time of year. You get it started earlier, you're looking like a hero right around the holiday time. Right. All right. So um, it looks like there's a, an, a fall event coming up in Issaquah called Just Between Friends Issaquah. So check it out. It's at Pickering Barn. It's uh, Issaquah fall event right around the corner. Check out the great selection on deals. The first day open to the public, free admission. Uh, normally it's $2. Register. It's the hottest ticket in town. Shop at the Pickering Barn in Issaquah. Bring your own bags to carry all your great finds with you. Bring relatives so you can divide and conquer. Huge sales floors. And find tickets and information on Eventbrite. So just between friends, Issaquah. I guess they're selling whatever. Yeah. It's like a garage sale? I don't know. Huh. Let's go and find out. Let's go check that out. So that concludes our show for this week. I want to especially thank our guests, Pat. Abby and Michael for taking the time to speak with us. It was a great show. Thank you all for listening. And before we go, I found this quote about a home that I would like to share. A man travels the world over in search of what he needs and re- returns home to find it. Thanks for listening. Thank you.